So there's a global pandemic. A virus is sweeping across our world, and almost overnight, society has changed. Will my family survive? Which pet do I eat first? Will I ever see the outside again? If you haven't considered these questions yet, you will soon. And we'll be here, your personal guides on this journey, this descent into chaos. Thank you for joining us on Staring at Goats. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That is Lando, the voice of the intro of the show. And me, Steven, and him, Jacob, ready to bring you guys into the world of Staring at Goats. We will guide you through the plague lands as best we know how. Because we're all in this together, except where we're not. Uh, which is kind of the theme of a recent news conference uh, that we heard. We're going to tune in real quick to some lady on the internet for her thoughts. Are you ready, some lady on the internet? I sure hope so. Give us so. your thoughts. Because I am. And also, do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless, of course, you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus remains active on different surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours. But in most cases, it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air. So you guys have got to feel that way at some point in that the information you're getting seems to not make sense. Maybe seems to contradict itself. Uh, and we're here to clear that up for you on Staring at Goats and make sure you get the solid information, but not the most solid information. Maybe it's a little flimsy, but it's mostly great. It's pretty solid. Some it's, of it is pretty solid. Yeah. Pretty solid. I'm, I'm going to go. It's there. Until not it's not. There, but it's yeah. there. It's not. It's like dancing on a marshmallow. You kind of feel like you're on firm ground till you stand still, and then you fall into it, and you're dead. Yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody. Like a warm marshmallow. <laughs> oh, let's get down to business, shall we? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Why did that button not work? Work. There we go. So uh, let's go around the table here and see how everybody's been doing on their adventures, Jacob. You start us off. How has the last week since we last got together been going for you? Well, my week's actually been going pretty good. I started my paternity leave this week, so I technically don't have work to think about, which that was probably 90% of my thought and bandwidth. So that's kind of gone Congrats. now, which is kind of nice. Um, my world is taken up with baby and changing shitty diapers. So <laughs> that's that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Congrats. I know, right? So, <laughs> you know, COVID-19 has kind of come in a weird time for me. So it, it's come in a very big transitional time. So I, I was telling Stephen earlier, I don't know what the difference is between my new life with child and on paternity leave and my new life living in the world with COVID-19 because my life has changed and I can't tell what to attribute those changes to. Um I am ready to see family. That's what I realized tonight more than anything is that I miss sitting around, drinking a beer, chatting it up, and just having a good time with friends and family. I really miss that. And um, we're we're going through a process now where we're self-quarantining for about the next 14 days and really not going out so that some people can swing by and actually see and meet our new son. Um, so he still hasn't met any of his grandparents. He hasn't been able to be held by anybody else. So what we're trying to do over the next 14 days 
is eliminate all possibilities and then have some people actually come over and meet them. So we're kind of excited about that. So next Friday, we'll end our 14-day quarantine. So we'll actually be able to to hang out with uh, with some family members, which is really going to be awesome. I'm, I'm super stoked about that. I'm excited because I'm a family member and yes. I'll get to hang out in a better capacity than we've previously Finally. been hanging out. Yeah, it's because me and Jacob live 10 minutes from each other. Uh, and it's, you know, he just happens to be one of my best brotatoes in the world who happened to marry my sister-in-law, which means that, that I am the what luckiest human being. Dude, some people hate their in-laws. Some people just can't stand their sister's husband or whatever. And I've, like, got the best jackpot of an in-law family because <laughs> uh, yeah. I like Jacob like a lot. I did. Yeah, I you did. and I both, we have some really great families. Really great people on either side. There's a there's a joy to it. Uh, but speaking of, of families and life change and whatnot, Lando, where are you at? How are you? Doing? So, yeah, I am in the exact same boat. I have had just as big of a life event as Jacob. <laughs> I also had my first kid. <laughs> so, so, thankfully, I don't have to deal with nearly as much of that bullshit. So, I, don't get me wrong. I am so happy for you. I am so thrilled that you and Ashley have brought a new life onto the earth. And what a time for it, you know? Great timing. Yeah. It's going to be more some than anything, fun I'm just glad stories, we... right? Yeah. Well, speaking of fun stories, let me tell you waking up at two in the morning and realizing a goat was shitting out a little baby, I've never <laughs> seen, experienced, or even thought about what that would be like un until last Thursday night. So. Nice. Hey, uh, this was a brand new experience. I, I I can say that I am a changed person now. Did you? How did you and know it, the baby goat was being born? Did you have like an, a baby goat alert? Like, did you hear your goat shouting honestly, from the barn? Purely by luck, I think. Chris and I had fallen asleep. We had Twitch up. We had our little stream up on the iPad, and we just fell asleep on the couch. And we heard commotion. So she oh. and I both woke up just hearing like a goat noises. And That's then awesome. we just ran out there, and literally, as Chris was getting into the barn, there was a baby. That's and so cool. That was that. <laughs> yeah, I love your Thankfully, your stream. By the not way, too stressful of an ordeal. Good. I was gonna say I love your stream because sometimes I'll tune in like randomly throughout the day, and you have sound, you have audio from the barn, and I heard you off in yeah. the distance talking about something. I don't know what it was. And I was like, that's Lando yeah, over there. I couldn't see tell. you anywhere, but I was like, he's talking about like improving a ladder. I don't know what you were doing. You're working on something. Um, oh, and then yeah, one day yeah. I saw Chris mucking the stalls and I was like, Stephanie, Chris is out there mucking the stalls. She's like, look at Chris in overalls doing her job out there. That's great. But the audio was off yeah, at that fun. point. Yeah. So Landon, you might want to be careful with what, kind of bullshit you throw out at people whenever you know you're on street honestly millions of people I'm having to be aware of i <laughs> yeah. i am for the most part very cognizant of the fact that now there could be potentially someone down there watching listening you know whatever <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> so in other words <laughs> you're not peeing out the barn anymore right yeah. <laughs> oh there's many things i'm not doing out in the barn anymore <laughs> Let me assure no more begging in the barn alter my hair so we've, 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 yeah, I've had to find a new little spot in the briar patch down the street. Ouch! <laughs> hey, but so, yeah, it is really cool. Are going great out here. That's that's awesome. You need a you need a and sign you, out birthday, there, boy. My uh, yeah, it's my birthday, you guys. I've leveled up. It I'm officially yeah. level thirty five. <laughs> Ding! Happy um, happy birthday! Here's your birthday song. 
Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Uh, so today's been great. A quarantine birthday is a weird thing. Uh, but I did get to quarantine yeah. with Jacob and Ashley and, uh, and their new little guy uh, tonight. We had chicken wings, so it was almost like Irish Rush Watch, but not. Uh, but we did have way more wings than I should have ever eaten, and Jacob gave me a, a White Street Kolsch to drink. And that was a really great beer. Nice. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a wonderful birthday. I worked. I'm on call this week. So that's <laughs> that's not really great to be on call on your birthday. Um, but no, everything's everything's been going good. Um, for me, it's been pretty normal. Uh, this is the week that I would normally hopefully be at a, a conference for work uh and pitching i know i am so upset <laughs> yeah pitching products to people as they walk up to the booth and hanging out with landon and watching him drink way too many breakfast stouts and potentially pass out somewhere um Hold those on. are things no, that no, i no, no, no. <laughs> not again <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> okay well uh so it's Anyway, uh, it's been weird watching that virtually. We, we've our our place of business has opted to do it virtually, and it's like watching a Zoom call between people. It's got a really weird it's still vibe. Kind of cool, but it's just different. I, yeah, I, I, I guess to some people it's normal. I mean, and I guess mm-hmm. it should be normal, but it's just like I think it's just the fact that like I am normally there doing something, yeah. like talking to people. And now we're not. I, I yeah, that part I'm really struggling with. I'll admit. Yeah, it's like it's like this, you're watching a really hard. cool talk, but the talk is from somebody in their living room, uh, yeah. like like a Zoom call. And there's a chat. It's very Twitch like, and there's broadcast, and there's a chat for people. It's probably more interactive now than it ever is at the actual place because only so many people get to ask questions because you're raising your hand. And now yeah. you just throw a message in chat, and someone is watching to file that away for you. You know, and yeah. I think that's it's it's added a new dynamic. It's out well, well now now I imagine a world where we have a physical presence and a virtual ticket, potentially of different costs. Oh, Jacob, you you were about to to ask a question. No, I was I was going to ask a little bit about what you guys what 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 are your thoughts about the way people are not only perceiving these Zoom calls and these Zoom meetings, but also some of the ramifications for this. I mean, there's been a couple of reports where people have gotten fired or have to resign because they've done things on Zoom calls. There was this guy that threw his cat uh, during the middle of a county commissioner's meeting or something like that. He ended up having to resign because he was mistreating his animal, right? There was uh, another one where uh, a news reporter was uh, filmed on Good Morning America without (laughs) pants on. And he yeah. just had a top on and you could actually see he was sitting down and you could see his bare legs. Yeah. And so, I mean, there, what, what are, what are our thoughts about how some of these things are changing relative to some of these zoom calls? And I, I feel like it's so intrusive into people's lives that you're really starting to see some people for who they truly are. And it's frightening p- folks, right? I mean, there are some people that are getting fired because of this stuff. And so I guess I'm trying to understand what are your thoughts about some of these these the way Zoom has really changed uh, the way we not only communicate but do business. Personally, I love it. I love that everyone is just less formal, less professional. I, I personally think in the past few weeks, I've started up more projects at work. Just, you know, things are, I guess, moving along a little bit. But people are more comfortable. People are, are learning more or working more. I personally love it. And I love the fact that every, all the other people like me who would normally be out working with a customer, let's say, or, you know, being at an office, 
having to be a professional, you know, you obviously still have to be, but not nearly as much. You know, sure. everyone knows that we're all sitting around in our underwear. If if that, you know, yeah. on a good day, I I like I could I sit up a little bit here. There's nothing from like the, the <laughs> stomach down. So, Witty the poo. This is great. This is so freeing. I love it. <laughs> I I, I was going to have a. Too. A similar, a similar experience. I think I appreciate the fact that people are more. We're learning that it's not working from home. It's it's being at home while trying to work. There's like two different ways to look at. It. I think the companies that are embracing that I get that my employees are not at their office. There is stuff in their house, including their dog, their kids are home, various things. And the companies that can embrace that and go, we get it. Uh, like I've been in multiple meetings where yeah. a, a scrum lead has a baby strapped to her, you know, and it's like she'll often not have the camera on during those times because she's like doesn't want to be a distraction. But like we get it, you're home, you've got a husband, wife, both work, you got a kid, you got can't take him to daycare, you got to figure something out. Um, so I I appreciate that. But one thing I want to say to the people that keep screwing up with this pants thing is like, stop not wearing pants. Like you're just asking for an issue. You can yeah. sit there and say confidently, Why? I'm not going to have to stand up. But if something behind you falls or catches fire, you're getting up. You have yeah. got to be prepared for the worst and you need to dress like you go to work. I don't care if you think, yeah. you know, no pants is a great idea it's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point, and you do not want to be on camera. You, Yeah, there's sure. no sense in taking the risk, is what I, I so want to say. I've played with a lot of fire, just wear pants. Like, really, I, I guess, please So, Stephen, to your point, I don't really have a problem with the way people dress. I feel mm. like, for the most part, especially the, the calls that I've been on, um, people are still acting unbelievably professional. They've just yeah. tried to take their office and move it to their home. Um, th some of them are even dressing up every day. Um, yeah. There's one guy who I've had to talk yeah. with every single day who actually has a shirt and tie on every single day sitting at his own office. And, you know, it's it's the way the way people have embraced it is a little bit different, which is fine. I mean, I'm in shorts and a T-shirt or, or sweatpants and a T-shirt or whatever I feel comfortable in, which I'm completely fine with. You're I fully guess that's covered, which is the point. Yeah. I am fully covered. And I guess the dress hasn't really bothered me as much as some of the personality quirks that have we've started to see in people, because people, when they're at home, they act different. I mean, there's a professional Jacob that will not do certain things at work period mm -hmm. but i'll do those things at home because i'm more comfortable and i feel like i'm more of myself whereas if i'm sitting in a boardroom or a conference room with some folks that i work with i may not necessarily crack the same joke or i may not necessarily make the same um you know crap noise to my kid or something or poop noise or whatever you know you know where i'm <laughs> that's to see exactly you're starting to good see some timing weird little... that was, you were quick on that one <laughs> you know it. so so i feel like that's the questions that i'm really starting to to roll through in my head and ponder is what is how is this changing the way we interact with other people virtually and professionally um because they're starting to see parts of insides of us that they've never really gotten a chance to see before you want to talk about doing things at home that you don't do at work. Jacob, I talk about stuff every Thursday night on a podcast called Horseshoes and Hand Grenades at this desk <laughs> with this microphone at this setup that I would never talk about just randomly at work. And yeah. you put me here and I almost go into show mode. When it's my turn to talk, it's show mode. And that's that's hard to to remember like 
this isn't Stephen dialed to 11. This is work, Stephen. Let's keep it cool, you know. I cannot tell you how many recent conversations I've started with a couple of the projects that I'm on. The people are just really cool. And I'll just like just slip kind of into this mode. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> nope, reel it back. <laughs> Slow down. Pull and, it but, back in. And, but there, there, some of them are kind of the same way. So it's really fun. Yeah. It's like, there, there is this really kind of fun, playful dynamic that I'm developing with my my teams, these highly professional teams and clients that I would have never seen otherwise in an office. You know, it's so cool. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's true. There's plenty of people I've talked to that I've learned more about them and their comfort the comfort zone of what to say and how to say it. I'm like, oh, these people are normal yeah. too, and I like find myself becoming more comfortable because. People go into non-work-related discussion and all that stuff, and it's been it's been pretty it all cool. All blends together, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, but let's get on to some news, you guys. Let's get this let's get this train a rolling. Let's see what we got out here. Jacob, what's our first I'll story? Start. Yeah, I'll I'll kick us off. So a couple of weeks ago, um, a bunch of companies we started running out of hand sanitizer, and lots of companies started opening up their doors and saying, you know something. We could probably make some hand sanitizer out of our liquor or out of ours, <laughs> whatever else they're making, right? And so we started seeing this influx of these kind of homemade hand sanitizers. Well, the FDA is starting to have some suggestions for some of these companies. So FDA asked hand sanitizer manufacturers to make it taste worse. <laughs> yeah. Let well, the FDA. That, that was my first request. Yeah. <laughs> While the FDA said they appreciate the industry's willingness to step up and make alcohol-based hand sanitizer to help meet demand during COVID-19 pandemic, they are asking manufacturers to make it taste worse. According to the FDA, more than 1,500 additional manufacturers have registered with the uh, U.S. Food and Drug Administration to produce the hand sanitizers during the pandemic. Simultaneously, the FDA said they're addressing safety concerns related to products that are being sold that do not comply with the FDA policies, as well as others who are being marketed for unproven claims. So they're so they're trying desperately to to try to calm these folks down from saying that their hand sanitizers are the best things since sliced bread. It sounds like <laughs> the FDA. <laughs> now has said that adding uh, uh, denaturants uh, to the alcohol used in hand sanitizer is needed to make the product more bitter and therefore less appealing to ingest, especially for young children. And then it goes on to continue about how um, the businesses and manufacturing and blah, 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 blah. Um, But it, it raises an interesting point. I mean, most of the time you make alcohol to taste good. I mean, these liquor companies are saying, I want to make a, uh, a vodka that's supposed to be clear and colorless, tasteless and odorless. And we, we want to turn it into something that's sweet and delicious and wonderful for everybody to consume. And now let's take that and turn it into hand sanitizer. What are people going to do? Consume it. it. What do you think yeah. they're going to do? Same thing I've been doing. Like <laughs> if I'm out and about at Home Depot or whatever, and I'm just, if I just can't handle it, I got hand sanitizer. I'm getting a little buzz too. You're, so, you're putting your face like, under the not? hand sanitizer dispenser and just opening it Hell like yeah. a soda fountain. Just drinking it out. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 got, he, he's got the hand sanitizer pumps, one of those big Costco looking hand sanitizer pumps. And just a 55 pump gallon right drum with a mouth. pump on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's you know, it's this is to keep your your Stephen Kings from occurring, right? You're like, I drank mouthwash when I couldn't get a hold of. Like, you don't want that. Yeah. You don't want 
people who are, are desperate going, I just really need to drink right now. And this hand sanitizer looks like it. it oh, look, it's pineapple and mango. Uh, this is going to be delicious. Uh, it's, <laughs> so it makes sense. I mean, or, we we are a society of people who licked Nintendo Switch cartridges to see what they taste like. It's it's not. This is a completely valid on. request. I missed that. Is that a thing? You don't remember and, that? And what do they taste like? No. Do Dude, they have a taste? Yeah, apparently back in back when the Nintendo Switch first launched, the, the biggest news was Nintendo Switch cartridges taste awful. Uh, and it l- led to the question of why are you licking them? But not only that, it led to the activity of licking them to see what everybody was talking about. So it became this big thing where everybody was licking Nintendo Switch I've cartridges. Got a switch right <laughs> over here. If you want to do it, <laughs> go for it, Lando. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, if you decide this to, is... apparently they taste horrible. Um, but uh, it's this is the world we live in. We were idiots before coronavirus. We'll be idiots after coronavirus. And we'll have that's, to... That's a good point. Don't sleep with your hair dryer is a, a warning note. You know, like, this is... Nothing's really changed. It's just there's a new avenue to be a moron. There are yeah. more people trying to put the UV light inside of them, though. <laughs> so. are, they, are they just injecting air into their veins and they're thinking the UV will be trapped in the air? Is that what they're doing? I, I, I think so. That, that is how the, the scientific principle works, I believe. So that, that sounds right. <laughs> That's uh, oh so real quickly I do have a PSA for everybody and this is going to be a bit off topic and it may be a little political because it's going to be bordering on politics but the the PSA that I have for everybody is please don't drink bleach I know that our uh, commander in chief has has suggested that it might be something we want to look into but don't don't ingest bleach don't inject uv rays into your into your body because you know if you do inject air into your into your veins and into your arteries you could die um yeah don't do those things guys don't don't do them that's my psa for the day but leave the needles to the professionals (laughs) helium helium (laughs) not not air yes helium gets you higher that's the that's you know I heard if you smoke weed while also sucking in helium, it has a greater effect. Oh, so you'll be <laughs> really? double high. Yeah, yeah. All I need now is helium. And you also have to play the Creed hit higher from the late 90s. Oh, and what if you in business. use so helium, helium in your bong and just suck helium through your bong? That's then... I don't know. All right, guys. I'm sorry. I got to go get some helium. <laughs> like, I, what, give this a try. Where, I, well, hold on, where do I get helium in a party supply store? Oh, that's yeah. the problem. Industrial supply store or something. Can you buy helium at Home Depot? Do, do they do that? Nah. Party City has it. Grade. Party balloons. Yeah. Party mm-hmm. City carries it. But if you go literally anywhere and look up helium, they're like, stop blowing up balloons with helium because there's a shortage and we need it for other things that are more important than your birthday party. But it's cool. We're going to mine the moon and the moon has lots of helium three and that's going to change everything. Helium three, the sequel. Yeah. So Lando, let's talk about Chicago before you go get too high. (laughs) Well, okay. I guess if we insist. So, a Chicago brewery has been using ice cream truck-inspired vans to sell beer. 
And I would let me just I would that. chase this down the highway like a dog. Hell yes. Like if you were a kid <laughs> and grew up anywhere around a populated area and had nice things like ice cream trucks. Let me just say in, in Beckley, West Virginia, I never saw such a thing. But if you're out and about somewhere now and you see an ice cream truck and it has beer, like that's that's as good that's the millennial <laughs> dream right there, as far as I'm concerned. No, oh, no yeah. let's be honest. Bring age and, and whatnot into it, that's everyone's dream. Anybody who was ever a kid remembers the joy of an ice cream truck. And now to be an adult and be able to get beer, hey, that to me is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. But it's a shame that it took a pandemic for something like that. Like that to me just seems why not? Why would you why would why are we not already doing that? Why is this just now a new thing? That's a really good it's, point. Because uh, yeah. I was going to say, I, it's amazing the things that we learn whenever we <laughs> we have to force ourselves into situations where we're like, hold on, wait, I bet I know a way to get my beer to people. I could do it. Exactly. <laughs> it, it forces now, ingenuity. Say, the, one, the one caveat, though, is that it, it's not a literal like ice cream truck situation where you just walk up and, and grab some alcohol and strut away. Like you have to place an order and this beer ice, the beer truck comes around and, and you, it delivers and fulfills the order. So, you know, it, it's more a novelty delivery service. How, the idea is solid. And I think we need to really roll with that. This is, yeah, like you just said, that sort of ingenuity, this is what's going to keep society afloat as it's all crumbling apart. You know, Th- this is what will bring us all together. This Nobody will have to go without their beer ever again. Uh, Adam of Geekheim asks, what, what tune does it play? And I'm betting Beer by Real Big Fish is the really the only appropriate thing <laughs> that, that it should play. It, but like a jingly version of Beer. Like, like not, not the, the full-on ska-punk version of Beer. Like one that's done with a xylophone. You know? Like, that's the tune I want to hear. <laughs> I mean, we could do an actual fish sort of thing where every concert they play some... Or every, you know, every show they play a different way, slightly. So the Beer Track just goes around... All, all time cycling through like the 3,000 different varieties of that <laughs> version of beer. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I, I kind of feel like if it does have that kind of nostalgic tune to it, though, they would be mistaken too much for an ice cream truck. And, you know, some kids would like go through their screen doors to get to it. <laughs> does anybody ever realize... remember playing Twisted Metal on PlayStation? That's what <laughs> <laughs> you're playing. We, That's Machine guns blazing at you. Yeah. Machine, machine guns in here. Here we go. What I don't know why Tony that's a Hawk problem. Game? Oh, Pro Skater? Pro Skater, yeah. It needs to have that soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's going to be oh, a new man. one. Oh, yeah. There's a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Oh, my gosh. Life just keeps going full circle. We got no new ideas. During this pandemic. <laughs> yeah, right? That's why we're here. <laughs> I, I think it's not really a bad thing that the children run through their screen door. I think it's a nice lesson learned. Um, First, to pay attention. Second, beer is not for you. Because when they get up there, you just go, no, we don't have ice cream. Go away, kid. Uh, but, like, <laughs> I've seen those trucks that you make snow cones with. Like, they give you the ice, and then there's, like, snow cone fountain things. Yeah, those trucks, they give you the snow cone <laughs> thing on the outside of the truck, and you go around and you just pull which flavor you want. It could just be taps, just like that, what? you know? Just They give you a cup, and you walk over, and you pull the thing, and beer. No, don't. Don't don't bring a cup. Bring your growler. I would have yes. on the side. Bring your old growler. Fill it up, baby. We got B-Y-O-G. we got taps for you. <laughs> I think we're, we're onto a business plan. Anyway. 
What? Okay, so here's a serious question, though. What's the implications of, like, county laws regarding beer distribution and all? Like, isn't there a lot of red tape? Hence, it would make sense why they do the, the you order it and we come to you scenario. So I guess they could check. At least in Washington, it's not really a county thing out here. It's just whatever the state and government says, at least as far as I know, at least as far as breweries yeah. are concerned. So yeah. as long as someone is setting that rule, you know, North Carolina may be different, but out here... We just need someone to flip the switch, and it's just like weed delivery. All of a Dang sudden, you. yeah, it's a thing, and everyone's doing it. <laughs> Hippies yeah, out think, in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I think most states are, yeah. are – you have to have some license to sell beer, and it's got to be attached to a physical location, or at least in North Carolina it has to be attached to a physical location. So if you sell the beer out of your bar or out of your restaurant or out of your uh, grocery store, you could potentially have maybe delivery – people come by and pick it up so technically if this is considered a delivery type vehicle but again the a lot of the governments are shut down right now so they can't really approve any of these uses in various states right so they're just going okay we'll let you do it now during this time of 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 emergency but once you get back to a normal state we got to have a discussion about this i'm sure that's probably what's eventually going to happen yeah i can I see that know. I think some of these things are here to stay. Uh, I don't think beer delivery. <laughs> well, so Landon, I don't, I don't think that they'll go anywhere. I just think that we're going to have to have a discussion about maybe how to best implement it in a governmental fashion or a regulatory fashion. Yeah, because you still have keeping to keeping it professional. Yeah, you still got to have a way to make sure that people are are ID'd. You have to have a way to make sure that uh, you know there's no overbuying yeah. or overuse or whatever. Um, but at the same time, I think you're right. I think some of the stuff is going to be here, like brew through. I mean, that was mm -hmm. that was never really a big thing, but then whenever it became a thing, it stayed right, and we figured yep. out how to make that work. So we I don't sure know. did. Uh, well, let's talk about getting more things to work. And the with questions regarding the the executive order as part of the the Defense Protection Act of enforcing meat facilities to continue processing meat and remain open uh, through the coronavirus. So uh, what's happened is a few like maybe last week. It's been a couple weeks of this slow snowball rolling down a hill. One plant said, "Bunch of workers, we got to stop processing pork for a little while." Uh, then another plant said, oh, chickens are having a problem. Even my mom was like, chicken houses all over South Alabama can't get send their chickens anywhere. Millions of chickens. Uh, and now we're coming into more meat processing plants that are having to shut down due to workers getting sick, not showing up for work. If there's no one to show up for work, there's no one to do the job. There's no meat. Um, however, with the stroke of a pen, uh, the president has decided that it's important for national critical infrastructure of the country to have these meat processing plants activated and working the question coming from the meat workers is what are we supposed to do if we're sick and can't go to work or or feel unsafe at work um donald who only wanted to go by his first name in this in this uh, article said all i know is this is crazy to me because i can't see all these people going back into work uh he works at tyson's waterloo facility um, i think that's one of the pork processing plants he said i don't think people are going to go back in there um, Donald tested positive for the virus, so he's recovering. He said, I'm still trying to figure out what is the president going to do? Force him to stay open? Force people to go to work? Because uh, if we get down to the nitty-gritty of what the executive branch is, all they have is the use of force. It's an execution of uh, of laws, an execution of of uh, of of things that the, the that 
branch needs to do, needs to make happen. Defense Protection Act, I did a little bit of uh, internet sleuthing, so I'm no professional. Uh, but according to the Defense Protection Act, like it's a way to kind of say, Company A, I need you to make something for a war effort or some sort of uh, federally mandated thing we need. And we can say, you have to accept our contracts before you accept anybody else's because we need it to support the country. Um, that's a little bit different to me than than everyone is sick inside the country and we need you to stay open. But I don't know what difference that is. The, the other thing that I noticed was if you do not comply with the Defense Protection, Defense Protection Act, you can end up with a fine of $10,000, one year in jail, or both. So my question that I have, and I think many of these other workers in these meat plants have, is if you're sick, you happen to be working at a meat plant that is no longer open, the president forces it open, and you do not go back. What's the repercussion? Do you like if, if a plant does not have anyone to work in it, how can it be open? How does it how does it function? Do the people who stay home do they just lose their jobs and they hire new people? Uh that's a that's a fascinating question for me. The other thing that I've seen that Stephanie was telling me about tonight was that a lot of these plants didn't want to shut permanently. They were shutting down long enough that they could get an epidemiologist in to come in, help them shore up their strategies, their cleaning, uh, the ways of cleaning, the ways of separating workers and stuff like that. But the president opening them back up removes that lead time that they would have with the epidemiologist to bring things back online in a safe manner. So there's a few questions wrapped up in there. Uh, what's what's your guys' take on it? Do you have any information we can we can add to this conversation? So I do have one quick piece of information, and I'll let I'll let Landon respond. But the one quick piece of information is in Waterloo specifically, ninety percent of the cases in that city, from what my understanding is, come from that Tyson meatpacking plant. Ninety percent of the cases, positive cases. So that's not just a meatpacking question that's a city question because what they're essentially saying is we're okay letting our workers go back in this city that the only place that right now has shown contamination is this place so it it really begs the question of are these cities do they have enough power to say now let's wait until we get enough a new information to really reopen this or do we just follow this blind executive order and say yeah let's open it back up and let's start you know packing the shelves full with pork. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. This is interesting to me. I, I have a few friends that are pilots or, you know, something like that or somewhat involved in aviation to a heavy degree. And they have basically in, in talking about this sort of story with, you know, basically the president trying to force whoever trying to force these people to go back to work. It's interesting because this same thing sort of happened back in 1981, I believe, with uh, flight traffic controllers. And they were trying to strike at the time for just labor issues, normal like union issues, totally outside the realm of a pandemic, obviously. But the last major like kind of union busting and like this, this sort of, you know, forcing people to go back to work was basically 1981. And at that time, Ronald Reagan fired every air traffic controller in the country and hired new ones. And I think this is going to be that sort of turning point in what the government is going to try to force people to do. I don't know. It it just feels like it's being set up that way from what a lot of people who know way more than I do have been saying about it. Some people who were there during this whole thing back in the 80s. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, though. But yeah, exactly. How do you force somebody? 
to do something that they are you know fully committed to not doing why would you ever go and, and endanger at work when do you think some of this is, so is easy like not to I think about and my dad mentioned this earlier to to me. He was like, "Think about the draft in the 1970s. People were forced into the military against their will uh, to fight yeah, a yeah. war they may or may not have believed in." And it's it's like that's kind of a defense protection act. Like a defense protection act is an internal mechanism for doing that is drafting people internal into draft, a dangerous yeah. situation because they have they need someone to do it, and you just drew the short straw. Um, and that's that's kind of terrifying. We're us as a generation. I don't think we're used to that. We grew up post draft. You know, sure we all register for select service and when we're eighteen, but nobody expects it to occur because we have a, a a as far as I know a well staffed voluntary army. Um, but it, it could be that that happens, and you know, certain of us will have a threat of potentially being called up for whatever reason. But is this is this as despicable? Of a move, because I consider that despicable, making someone do anything outside of, you know, it's kind of breaks the principle of liberty in my mind. Like Something that almost guarantees them to get injured or killed. Yeah. Yeah. So real quickly, I haven't really viewed this pandemic as a war at all. Mm -hmm. I've never even, those two words have not been synonymous. But right now, I'm starting to have the thought of getting there. uh, is are we dealing with the war here? And if so, are these kind of things okay? And if so, does the president view that we're actually in a war against this pandemic or this virus? And is he doing things to try to to alleviate you know some of the stresses of wartime? I mean, is that kind of what's going on in his head? Uh, and and that's really where where some of my questions lie: is do we consider ourselves in wartime right? Ooh, that's a that's a hefty question. Uh, I, I I think would say no. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. My knee jerk says that's that's a bit over over. You, it's uh, not war; it's it, an but... occupation. Honestly, that's that that's a better that's a better analogy. I think mm-hmm. from from people who have actually been in occupations that I've heard say this sort of situation is more like you just you you can't go out. You know, it's different, obviously, in a real occupation. Someone will just fucking shoot you. But in this, like you, if you are the, if you're immunocompromised, if you have some sort of health issue, you literally cannot go out or you will die. It's, Mm -hmm. it's basically the same thing. And that, in that regard, different from war though, I would say. That's pretty wild. I never really considered. So we're, it's more red dawn, less saving private Ryan. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's there's no beachheads to storm here. There's no, holy shit. Like the virus is everywhere. We're going to die. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, no, the the wartime because I mean that's what Defense Protection Act is for is mainly used in wartime. It's been used multiple times prior to this. Obama used it at one point. Uh, Donald Trump used it early in his presidency at one point. It's been used multiple times, but this time it was like we've got to drill. We got to get people to make ventilators. Like if we order ventilators yeah. from GM, GM's got to make our freaking ventilators before they make the next washing machine. Um, and that was. Which, uh, Stephen, uh, and, and I don't mean to cut you off there, but no. I understand that. 
I yeah. get that. I get, mm-hmm. let's make ventilators. Let's make face masks. Let's make hand sanitizers. Let's make all of these toilet paper, for God's sake. Let's make these things available that people are running out of and absolutely need to continue their daily life. What I don't mm-hmm. understand is pork packing facilities. I'm not sure that that falls in the same vein as as ventilators. At, at, I at need time. my bacon to survive this <laughs> fucking pandemic. <laughs> don't even joke about that you you know better jacob you know better. yeah okay okay uh, maybe ch- okay let me just go with chicken <laughs> i mean chicken's a dirty beat everybody everybody could get on board with hating chicken so yeah why does chicken plant stay open but uh you know the ventilators we'll we'll put those aside now but well, I let's guess get I me a tesla chicken i'll leave it <laughs> Let's get even more weird. Like, you're talking about meat processing plant. I was telling Jacob earlier today, I'm like, what if General Mills shuts down and there are no more Frosted Flakes? Or that's Kellogg's. Just any of them. Then you're like... Can you imagine what? no more Cinnamon Toast Crunch? <laughs> no more oh, Cinnamon my. Toast Crunch. No more Lucky Charms. Pop-Tarts are off the shelf. Does the president step in and say, F this, I need a Pop-Tart. Turn that plant back happen. on. It could. It could. This opens that possibility for anything. And it opens the possibility for, like systematic abuse. some sort of weird takeover of an economic system like yep. food processing and then you're in communist russia and you didn't even know what happened and then the narrative breaks down and you all go well dang they did it hold on and then you do like we all get an equal amount of pop tarts <laughs> or do i get more pop tarts than my no, friends that live on the other side of the that's, island that's 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 the idealist way that it works how it really works is you go stand in line for six hours and maybe you get a pop tart <laughs> yep <laughs> well i mean i thought you know i thought this whole thing played out a number of years ago <laughs> you know i may be mistaken people do say that history repeats itself history really echoes Who history does that's... not repeat itself history echoes and and uh and that's that's what happened it's not the same history it's a new variation of that same history same same but different mm-hmm. yeah. and that's well, why no I mean, one notices and but nobody notices and but the fed does things to make people happy i mean look at the interjection of all of the money into the stock market i mean let's let's be honest here guys we have record low unemployment drops dramatic drops we have businesses that are shuttering their doors left and right every single day we have um earnings calls that are just going so poorly i mean companies are announcing seven to ten percent misses in a quarter in a quarter and it's only because of two weeks of shutdown we're not even talking about massive long-term shutdowns we're talking about housing markets that are crashing we're talking about interest rates that are at zero right now and the fed basically saying we're not going to raise them anytime soon guys i mean that's what they came out today and said we have oil markets that are crashing we have everything in our economy that is pretty much saying guys we're in trouble over here, but the feds have put in so much money into the stock market. The stock market goes up and we're all like, yay, stock and market we keep making money, baby. Yeah, I know. But when is this, when is this going to actually come down around our, our, oh. our ankles? And, and when are we going to actually go, Oh shit, we're in trouble guys. You know what the goal is, Jacob, this is conspiracy hat and I'm worried about it. And, uh, but this is conspiracy. We prop it up until post-election. It falls over, and the next administration has to deal with it. Because homie who's there right now bounces, opens up Trump TV, which is on Fox News somehow, and then he's free. He gets to blame the new administration for jacking up his entire perfect plan, and it's all over. 
and it, it's the whole economy's in the pooper, and the other team looks like a bunch of idiots for four years, and it's it solidifies the fact that he and was then a come genius. Back and fix it again, and we were wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ooh. I, I mean, I, I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to be political or polar, but daggone it, if that doesn't Honestly, sound like a reasonable thing, it's really that simple. Like, it's very difficult to look at this pandemic as anything other than just a political clusterfuck like this is just <laughs> absurd we are the quote-unquote richest country in the world and here we are struggling with like this kind of like just basic just limp dick energy it's just ridiculous <laughs> but like, I, i'm just so done with it what does like it's really mean? that simple so like because your gdp is high because you've got fake money being printed all day long like is that rich you've got yeah. a bunch of people freaking thrown out of their houses matter, because yeah. they can't afford anything because there's a 236 to one ratio between the ceo and the ground floor guy like we're the Preach richest it, country in the world yeah. this is i'm not even a socialist this is a disaster to me <laughs> like <I'm> not... <laughs> hey guys and by the, the way listeners we not mean we actually talk about not getting show yeah but sometimes i feel like what we're trying to do is at least create an argument for trying to either one understand what's going on so that we can make better sense of it or two just raise some questions so that maybe we can engage in conversation with the rest of you guys we don't want the whole point of this oh, yeah. podcast is to think to think yeah. about something it could be something different it could be something new it could be something interesting it could be something sad doesn't matter just think about something that's really yeah, it. I don't. I don't. So if I you don't take mean... anything away from this, just fucking think. Like, <laughs> yeah. just... I don't. I don't mean to oh. to make it seem like uh, it's one side is wrong, one side is right. I just, I just want to understand the 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 absurdities of both, and and yeah. where they come to play. And and I think that it's if if you're a rational human being, you can go. Good ideas and bad ideas come from everywhere. They come from every yeah. person. And it's just when you see things like complete reversals of positions depending on the weather uh you have to you have to kind of point that out and be like what what hold on did that is that what happened and i i enjoy playing in that space and thinking about it and considering it and i'm glad you guys are down with that and i hope that the overall listenership gets that from us that there's no animosity there's just a lot of confusion and discussion and sometimes it gets exciting it's like the clip that you played at the onset of tonight's show. It's you get so much information. And right now, I think politics is polarizing. I mean, if you look at the economy and how you you believe the economy is doing good or bad, I feel like that is polarizing at this moment. There's nobody in the middle going, I think we're okay. I, I think most people are going, <laughs> yeah, yeah look at the stock market. We're kicking <laughs> ass and taking names. Like or you're point- on the other side. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say at this point, yeah, like you've got two different camps. Like everything is good or everything is bad. There's no in between. There's no, hey, this is perfectly acceptable. (laughs) Right. Let's keep doing this. I've been, I'm reminded of that dog gif where he's sitting at the coffee table and the room is on fire around him and it's just like, this is fine. This is all good. We're living it. Yeah. Yeah. Never let your dreams be memes. Oh my gosh! So Jacob, let's let's move on from this heated topic and talk about uh, another heated topic, and that is Mexican drug cartels. Uh, yes, yeah, Mexican. Dr- <laughs> on a lighter note, yeah. On a lighter note, on a lighter note, Mexican drug cartels are having to raise their prices. So you know, all of those, <laughs> all of those, those drugs that you were looking to get uh, last week during quarantine, you expect to pay a little higher price this week. 
Um, Mexican drug cartels are struggling during coronavirus, and they hike prices as lab supplies from China dry up. The onslaught of the coronavirus has only set the global economy has not only set the global economy tumbling, it has also hit the black market really where it hurts. Mexican cartels are no exception. Um, the outbreak of COVID nineteen has sent the price of heroin, methamphetamines, fentanyl soaring um, to the likes that cartels and, and some of their rivals have never seen before. Uh, they're struggling to obtain the necessary chemicals to make synthetic drugs, and those are typically come from China because now they're in, in minimal supplies. Um, so the, the article keeps going on from there. But bottom line here is if you're looking to, uh, to get high during this, uh, this stay-at-home period, look to pay a little premium for those uh, black market drugs, unless yeah, you're in the- Washington and you could just grow your own. For the hard stuff, I think is what we're what we're looking at. What I want to know is like, whose job is it to keep an eye on like black market price numbers? I just imagine there's some website that tracks meth and heroin and cocaine cost. I uh, would like to know that website. I just want to know. <laughs> of course, I just you would. Know it's like a ticker. It is more expensive now. Maybe I should wait. It's kind of like, tell you, it's kind of like the inverse of mortgage rates right now. Like if if you are in the market for a refi or something, let me just say. Now's the, Now's time. the time, yeah. Right. But it's the inverse, I guess, for, for, for sourcing black market and illegal substances. So <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. You know, instead of trying to plan your cocaine kingdom, you should try <laughs> to buy a house and settle down. Yeah. In the next couple of years. That's what I I'm was going to refi so I could get the extra cash per month so I could buy more heroin, and that's not going to work. That's Sorry, Stephen. <laughs> ah, that was your business model. Yep. <laughs> You're going to be in, in trouble. I flip houses However, for coke. You might get a bailout. Are are the drug cartels gonna start applying for the small business? <laughs> Honestly, they they would probably get one. I mean, let's be honest. They're they're probably doing more for the economy at this point than, than a lot of other places in the world. So hey, if I can get my drugs sourced by any means possible, I will. I think it was Adam of Geekheim <laughs> last week who was talking about we should have incorporated two dorks so we could get a small business loan. <laughs> so we we, right. we could have been making, even though we don't pay anyone, we could have at least got a little slice of that pie. Just, you know, just fluff the books and claim you make a hundred million a year, and bam, instant loan. Yeah, I mean, just give me some of Amazon's tax refund, and I'd be I'd be happy. Just a little bit tax refund. You heard me, Jeff Bezos. I know Twitch is your Just, platform. What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lando. So speaking of Spanish people, uh, let's talk about more Spain. Spain and Mexico are different, but you know what I mean. Let's go oh, to town. Oh, yes. So yeah, first of all, thank you for providing that clarification. Yes, Spain yeah, and Mexico important. are different. <laughs> and an official in southern Spain has apologized for spraying the local beach with diluted bleach in an attempt to yeah, say that three times fast beach, beach, bleach. Blue to bleach in an attempt to protect residents from COVID-19 uh, the picturesque fishing village of Zahara de los Atunes uh, sent tractors equipped with sprayers along parts of its beach last week as officials readied for release of the country's children <laughs> after six weeks of confinement so not only did they spray these bleach beaches down with bleach but the children were going to these beaches that that was the whole reason they did this uh which is i don't know to me is just amazing <laughs> the decision to disinfect the beach has incentivized excuse me incensed environmentalists well probably incentivized them as well 
It's totally absurd, claims one person. The beach is a living <laughs> ecosystem. And he's spraying down with the bleach, killing everything you come across. Honest, we don't have to go that far into this to realize this is just batshit crazy. Why would you bleach a beach? <laughs> and at this point, I'm just grasping at straws, trying to say bleach a beach as many times as possible. <laughs> but really, why would you do that? Uh, Same reason why you would drink bleach, right? Yes. Oh, gosh. So my, my well, my other question is: so bleaching a beach, there we go. So that, to some degree, makes sense, sure. But I wonder, could we have also put a UV light inside the beach <laughs> with the can bleach? We, can we put a light? Can we, bring, Some... can we somehow bring the light inside of the beach? I was just thinking how it was, I bleach. imagine someone someone standing in a boardroom going, we just need a really large light that produces UV and shine it on a the really beach. A really big a really one. Big so one. if we could get and on we that. Need to put it about 83 million miles away from the earth. <laughs> So that it doesn't torch us. That's what we need to do. Is there anything we've got available? <laughs> really I big. I don't know. Light. So what I'm what what am I going to do about sunburns during all this though? Like if they could have sprayed the bleach on the beach with some nothing rhymes with that sunscreen, uh, that would have been you know, helpful, more helpful at least than just bleach. <laughs> if we could just put so, if we could there cover we the beach in some copper tone. <laughs> There we go. Roll yeah. around in the sand with the copper toads so that you're not getting too bleach on the beach with, with the, the zinc. bleach. <laughs> oh yeah, just pour zinc all over the beach. That'll that'll do go. it. That'll stop it. This was someone's idea, you guys. This was someone. So, and legit and that's what I was going to finish with. One municipal official, Agustin Conejo, said his actions had been motivated solely by a desire to protect children. He said, "I recognize it was an error." He told the broadcaster. But it was done with the best of intentions. Do you, you know, know? I'm sure it was. Do you know how much I respect that guy right now for the yeah. simply in the world <laughs> yeah. in the in the climate we are in for just going? Yeah, I did that. It was a bad idea, but I had positive intent. I'm like, you know what? Keep your job. You're just keep it. You're great. You no, just. I think I agree. Up to it. Hold on, hold on, hold I on. I think no. I agree with you, but he he used the Trump card, and I didn't mean Trump as in Donald Trump. I mean Trump as in you know playing cards, Trump card. The children. Um, he used children. Yeah. And and I feel like that's his get out of jail free card at that moment. It's like, ooh, I was trying to save the children. It was like, oh, I'll give you a buy because you had the best interest of children's heart at heart. So yeah. You get a you get a free card over. We here. have to draw the line somewhere. We've yeah. been doing that for years. That's the reason there are parental advisory stickers on CDs and video games have a rating point. system. And like it's I mean this is a normal it, thing. Save the children. You put a you put a save the children bill in front of Congress and you slide in, give me three billion dollars, and they'll be like, Oh shoot, I can't vote against the save the children bill. I guess I'm gonna have to owe three billion dollars to somebody. It's 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 Save the children. Anyway, back to Landon. What were you saying? <laughs> I, I, nothing. Nothing that matters anymore. You, you said everything needed to be said. <laughs> I don't like riders, and I think we should do away with them. That's my. That's my main. My main thing. Only the rough riders. Those are the you only riders. Like, we need. Hey, man, I love the rough riders. That was DMX, right? Yeah. Hey, I was thinking oh. more the the Roosevelt, but also the rapper. Stop. <laughs> They've all got statues carved out of their faces. So, so now it's open up shop. Oh. 
<laughs> no. Let the Rough Riders go. Please, Speaking dear God, of, let DMX never hear nostalgia. this. Or what was that early 2000s? What that was late that 90s, era? probably. What I'm movie was that so. from? There was one movie that he did with... Um... Oh, D- what was DMX in? Well, was that the vampire movie? No, it was, it was some police movie, police-based movie, where they were trying to capture... The, there was some heist. Right? Exit Wounds. Oh, hey, heist. there it is. Steven Seagal was in that bitch, wasn't he? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> what the devil? I mean, it's late 90s, early 2000s nostalgia. DMX yeah, and Steven Seagal. You were right. You were right. It was Boom! DMX and Steven Seagal. That's like trying to do what? Demolition Man I... with second-rate people. <laughs> you know, what is the name of this movie? I need to see it now. Exit Wounds. You know what I'm doing tonight? It had nobody. It had Tom Arnold in it. Good, good job. Uh, that's great. What? Yeah, Anthony Anderson, Isaiah Washington, Michael Jai White. He was cool. Oh my god. Yeah, this was that pretty... is an all star. Oh, cast. dude, Michael Jai White was Black Dynamite. Jacob still hasn't yeah. seen that movie. Next time you're oh, in town. Oh my god, Jacob. Black Dynamite. <laughs> ne- next time TV you two together, patch me in, and we'll all watch it. Black Travis. If you're uh, looking for somebody to do Black Dynamite, I'll be glad to do Black Dynamite. Yes, please, Lord Travis, watch Black Dynamite with Jacob. Just just do it. (laughs) It'll make me so happy. Oh, man. So moving moving right along, let's get on to some weird science. Uh, I don't know how weird it is, Jacob, but you've got some, uh, some news that you wanted to share with us tonight. Yeah, hot off the press. And uh, basically what, what I did want to at least talk to you guys about Tamiflu for the coronavirus. So uh, Gilead is coming out with basically their version of uh, Tamiflu for the influenza virus for coronavirus now, which is, it's called remdesivir. Um, They've done a couple of clinical studies on it right now, and it looks like it might actually, um, it does, it's not a cure, it's not a, a, a complete fix or anything, but it dampens the symptoms very similar to the way Tamiflu dampens the symptoms of the influenza virus. So you could be sick for, instead of, let's say, 15 days, maybe 11 days or 10 days. Um, nobody really knows what the impact is on the mortality rates or anything else. This is still early preliminary data. Um, but it does look like it appears to be helping. And and uh, so the FDA is actually considering giving emergency use authorization, which is not the same as an approval. We talked about that last week. week. But they're th- talking about giving emergency use authorization to Gilead to be able to use this drug to treat the symptoms of the coronavirus to hopefully dampen it just enough so that it reduces it from 15 to 11 days. So good news, breaking news just happened this afternoon that they released some of those early preliminary data points. And, and uh, I'd love to see what, what happens long-term with this. Um, if you guys have any comments or questions about it, uh, send us an email at staring at goats at uh, podcast at gmail.com. That's staring at goats podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear you, hear what you guys think about it. Unfortunately, guys, I did not get to the email uh, last week, so I wasn't able to respond to a lot of your emails, but I will. I promise this week I've got my, my plate is starting to become more clear. So I'll be able to respond to some of those emails and, and really get to some of your questions. That is great. Thank you for that, that information, Jacob. I, I was reading a story earlier today, discussing the vaccine a little bit. Um, and it, I learned a little uh, interesting thing about the FDA. It's like there's multi stages, right? And and one of those oh, stages yeah. is is checking the safety of a delivery mechanism. 
um, yep. like the chemicals involved in the vaccine that make up the the transmission that get the the thing into your body. And like uh, one of the there's a there's a vaccine they're working on now that shows promise that they've already they've been working on a coronavirus vaccine for years and the delivery mechanism that they're using was approved and is safe and considered it's been through all those trials. So the next stage of it is just figuring out if the coronavirus bit of it, uh, the COVID-19 Correct. solution works. And that could the, the one report I saw said it could speed up a vaccine to as early as September. But they don't have any real data on that success rate. Um, there's different things. The testing matters. Like if they inject somebody with it, longevity of the what can happen to the body with it in there. Also, whether it's effective comes up with like antibody tests. Like did antibodies get generated for the COVID virus based on this vaccine? So there's a lot at play, but it seems like we're making yep. good progress. Yeah, so typically there's three stages. You've got your safety and toxicology, which is what I think you're referring to. That's that's usually the delivery mechanism is tested there, but you're also testing the drug there to make sure that people just don't, you know, fall out dead whenever you yeah. inject the, the virus or whether it's an attenuated virus or whatever it may be um, that that you're you're taking either inhaling it or or injecting it uh the second is going to be obviously your efficacy how how well does it work does it does it work worth the crap i mean in the first study you didn't really care about how well it worked you get some of that data but that's really not the goal of the study the goal is to make sure that people don't die from it um, the second is really how efficient it works or how effective it works um, and then the third obviously is going to be your pivotal submission study where you're actually collecting all the data needed by the fda to submit and say please give us the approval and the authorization um, usually that's at minimum, I would say a nine to 12 month process. Uh, I think I would err on the side of 15 to 18 months for those three studies to really be able to get onto market. And then obviously the manufacturing and the ramp up and the scale up of manufacturing. So you're talking about probably 12 to 18 months in that process. I will tell you this, and this is just my experience. Companies have worked on vaccines for tens of years, decades, um, and still have been unsuccessful getting them through the FDA. So what we're trying to do is truncate what takes a normal company five to 10 years in the best of situations and truncate that into nine to 12 months. It doesn't work very well. Um, yeah. And I would really be surprised if we're successful at doing that. However, the FDA may be you know, hell-bent on working with some of these companies to say, let's try to smooth this out. Let's try to streamline some of those edges so that we can really make it make your your path really quick. And I don't I think, know. We'll see what happens. I think that's exactly what we're going to see happen. I've heard so many stories from from all the people I know in tech and all the different companies I've talked to throughout the years. Everybody is talking to everybody right now. All of the labs are talking to each other. All of the pharmaceutical companies, all the healthcare, medical, biotech, everybody is trying to figure out how the hell do we stop this as soon as possible. So I, I'm actually a little more optimistic. I think we will see the potential for a some sort of treatment and or immunization therapy sooner rather than later. I, and honestly, the only reason I say that is just because there's so much money in it. The first company to to actually develop a cure for this, regardless of whether they, they charge for it or not, they're going to be rich. It's just that simple. And honestly why not in this case if anybody in the world can produce a vaccine first and if everybody is working together to do it 
then that'll only get it here faster. Like, honestly, the bigger the bounty, it's kind of like in tech, you have like a bug bounty. Like for the really big, important things, you throw money at it. It's just that simple. You know, you want to know that there's a vaccine at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who who solves that problem. Someone will. Someone has to. Whoever that is, they will get money. It's just that simple. And yeah, the the, the yeah. more the merrier, I think. It's all, the more people working together on it, the faster we'll get one. The more everyone will make, hey, why not? That's that's a good output, excuse me, outcome in my opinion. So let's let me ask you guys this question um, before we close out the show. Vaccine shows up in September. Uh, it's been a week they call you up. They say, you want to get uh, the vaccine? We have it available, and your name got drawn out of the bucket. Do you do it? Yes. So, <laughs> okay, well, good. We'll let Lando do it, and then after he falls over dead, me and you will give it a try. There exactly. It so, <laughs> I'm an early adopter. There it is. I, I actually work for a company that probably will offer it as an early adoption type of thing, and so mm-hmm. I, I would... Beach. Well, that's not fair. I would <laughs> probably be uh, be one of the ones who made that decision to opt in. For. You would opt uh, in, but again, I would have to. I would have to. I, I would do my research before yeah. I did it, just to make sure that I felt comfortable doing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I would. Would you, Stephen? I, I was on the fence. I mean, the likelihood of me being able to get it early is really low. I figure, like the average person, person with insurance in the U.S. Probably six months after it hits, we'll be able to get it. After all the congressmen get a hold of it and all the people in the businesses the that get to touch it. All the billionaires the get to touch it. Somewhere along the way, they'll finally start pulling in people that are normal. If it's six months, I, I might. I might go ahead and consider, sure, I'll do it. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Like, that's not a, that's not the point. It's, it's more or less yeah. like the unproven thing. Getting injected this, in your body has always made me anxious. Thing- um it never existed before a few months ago that's (laughs) right and and like i worked at a place where i had to get a flu shot as a stipulation of my employment and that it wasn't the flu shot itself it was the requirement that i get something injected into my body that is mine that i am the only one that's going to have to deal with it if it breaks down in a sense of health matters that you like everyone's gonna have to take care of you but you're the one that that has the problem you know what i mean so stuff like that makes me anxious and i like to at least know that there's a substantial amount of people that have been through it and a very minimal amount have been hurt by it um there's a really great pin and teller video on vaccine versus no vaccine that i think everyone in the universe should watch that explains this like it's for the one out of a hundred that that has an issue, if that were even a thing, like it's still worth it, because if that you know so many more people die if nobody gets it, um, I think that's that's a valid point. But I I I, I want to say I'd probably be careful. I would be careful with it, and yeah, and and that's fair. I mean, I think that's a that's a very prudent approach. But at the same time, if you work in in any kind of of um, an essential role in healthcare, you're going to be asked to get this. Oh yeah. Um, oh, certainly. It, it, bottom line is, is that no matter how much you say, I want to see the data at the end of the day, they're going to say, yeah, you could look at the data all you want to sit down in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to do it <laughs> whether you shot. want to or not. It's yeah. like cursed dragon ship would just say, you join the military, you get every vaccine at one time plus a peanut butter shot, what I can only imagine means a giant flipping needle with, like, mud in it uh, that yeah. gets injected in you. I like the, peanut butter. 
the military, have you ever had a shot at the health department? They use needles that are like a five horse. gauge. They're like, they're yeah. like built to. It's like they're to, injecting a fucking horse with. You can something. look at it. You can look at it and see the it hole hurts. in the bottom of the needle. You go to a real doctor's office and they're like using those really tiny needles that you can't even feel. Freaking health department. They're like, screw you guys. They Bam. stab you. They, stab they literally you. stab you <laughs> with a knife. I had my uh, my my first TDAP when I was like twelve or something. I got not maybe not my first, but a reup at a, at the health department. It was the worst. It was like the biggest needle in the universe. Do you remember like, getting him right before he went to the Dominican? Oh yeah, the hepatitis my mom shots. Hurt so bad. <laughs> I went to the actual doctor. My mom booked an appointment at my dad's doctor to get it done. Get the hepatitis. Oh, the series of shots. Yeah, they were tiny needles. It was good to go. Didn't even hurt. Uh, but anyway, an elitist, you. <laughs> I certainly am. And if you want to be an elitist, you can tip us at twodorks.net slash tip for the hard work that we put in for providing you this wonderful information. If you find yourself full of cash that you need to offload, we'll be happy to take it from you. Uh, no, no, no questions asked. Um, we are a charitable organization. Yes, we are, but uh, but no, we we just appreciate you guys being here. We appreciate you listening. Uh, if you could share the show with your friends, that would be huge. Tweet it, share it on Facebook, whatever you need to do would be great. Uh, if you go to anchor.fm uh, slash staring at goats, uh, you can actually get our podcast there, download their app, and you can send us voicemails via the Anchor app. Follow us on that. That's great. That way we can get your voice in the show. I think that's super cool. Uh, tweet us, uh, staring underscore goats on Twitter. Um, love to hear from your questions, comments. Also, as Jacob was saying earlier, you have any questions about the science, any of the stuff we've talked about, you have your own opinions, your own stories you want to share, staring at goats podcast at gmail.com is a great way to do it. And don't forget, we have our wonderful Discord server at twodorks.net slash Discord. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to discord.net. Whatever it is, discord.com, discordapp.com, I think. Uh, boy, I'm really selling this. And uh, get you're, a hold of it. You're doing a great job. It's a great app, and it's it's full of – that's where the Legion of Dorks community is, and they're just a bunch of wonderful, wonderful human beings who I'm very happy to associate with. Uh, and, man, we love you guys. Everybody stay safe out there. Oh, Jacob's hold got on. a thing. Hold on. Yeah. One more thing, one more thing. And, by the way, guys, sorry I haven't been on – kind of been – uh, MIA for the last couple of weeks, but um, one thing I wanted to no talk good to, reason. yeah, no <laughs> but one thing I wanted to do was get you guys, give you guys the opportunity to talk to us. Um, one thing that I've pitched to Steven and, and I haven't really talked to Landon too much about it. I mean, we talked a little bit, oh, about I'm in, you know, week. I'm in. Um, but was, uh, we want to interview you guys. We want to talk to you guys. We don't want to make this a show about the three of us. We want to make wanna it a show call. about, um, community and maybe not necessarily live caller. Maybe what we could do is do an interview on a Saturday or a Sunday where we may even stream it live. And then we could take a clips of that and actually play it during the podcast. And we could talk about what's on your mind and what is happening in your local community. You I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll give you a, um, a, uh, a good example. I, my um, cousin in, in Minnesota, had a conversation with us this week and apparently he lives in an apartment and he's been stuck in his apartment for a month and a half and he has self-isolated him. Well, and, let's uh, talk to him. I know. And, and I'd love to find out that poor why he is uh, living and currently doing the things that he's doing. Well, why so, is he doing that? He should be out <laughs> protesting with everyone else. I, <laughs> I, I want to understand this. And how do things look in Minnesota? 
opposed to New Jersey, as opposed to Pennsylvania, as opposed to North Carolina. I'd love to hear your story. So if you feel like doing it, or if you think that you this might be of interest to you, uh, let me know. Reach out to me. Send me a DM. I'm usually pretty good with DMs. And uh, and let me know if, if you're willing to do that, because I'd love to talk to you and just spend 15 or 20 minutes on air just chatting with you, and, and we could take some clips and, and actually play it during this podcast. Or depending on you are, yeah, that, that would be great. Just yeah. Don't don't guarantee it though. You know, <laughs> this isn't this isn't a right. This is a privilege. <laughs> this is this is very true. And you will and it will be an honor. Let me assure you. It will be. It will be. Just as we're oh, honored seriously. to to be to be that here with be each so other cool. and for you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time on Staring at Goats. Thank you all. Ah!